So, uh, one of the, uh, Aubrey, that, I, I want the pirates at VBS to sing that song. I think that would be a shout, you know. Yeah, Alyssa, yeah, she back there too. The pirates at VBS, they need to sing that song. So, I know Jenny's in Bulgaria, right? So, she, but she needs to know that. So, Jenny, if you're watching this in Bulgaria, pirate. There's a pirate theme with VBS this year, and, uh, and I love that song, and I love what it means, and I asked Brent if we could sing it because it fits in with the text today. But before we get into the text, I need you to fill in a couple of blanks, okay? You can write these down on a card, you can write it down on your, on your device, on your phone, or you can just enter it into your mental imaginary databank. Who is the person that you enjoy hearing their laugh or seeing them smile? Who's that person for you? What makes them happy? What makes them laugh? What do you do? What can you do to make them happy and to make them smile? Do you know of any one thing or is it many things? Think about that. The person that you share a laughter or a smile with, and it's good. I, Karen knows this, that one of the reasons that we got married is because she would laugh at my stupid jokes. Yeah. I mean, ones that are even stupider than that statement, she would laugh at it. And I love that. And, and her laugh and her smile are contagious. And so I started developing. That's why sometimes my comedy falls on y'all. I don't care whether you laugh. I just want her to smile. I just want her to laugh. And that's good. Uh, not because... I feel any pressure, but just because it's wonderful to share that with the people that you love. we got a good text this morning from Luke 10. And in it, you're going to see Jesus. You're going to see His joy. We often think of the joy of the Lord as something that we have. But what about His joy? What about His laughter? What about His smile? And what about the happiness of God the Father? It's there. It's there in this text. Pray with me as we go into this text. Lord, we want to pay attention to the words in red. We believe that these are living words. So, open up our minds. Free us from distractions. Take away all the other noise and busyness that keeps us from really paying attention to You. And and Father, I pray that You'll give me the, the best ability as a reader to present these words and the best ability as a speaker and a teacher to say something that's helpful to all of us. And Father, be with all of us as listeners so that we can hear this word and do this word. Put it into practice. Like wise people who are building a a house on a solid foundation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, from Luke 10. After these things, the Lord commissioned 72 others and sent them on ahead in prayers to every city and place He was about to go. He said to them, The harvest is bigger than you can imagine, but there are few workers. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers for this harvest. Go. Be warned, though, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Carry no wallet, no bag, no sandals. Don't even greet anyone along the way. 
Whenever you enter a house, first say, may peace be on this house. If anyone there shares God's peace, then your peace will rest on that person. If not, your blessing will return to you. Remain in this house, eating and drinking whatever they set before you, for workers deserve their pay. Don't move from house to house whenever you enter a city and its people welcome you. Eat whatever it is that they set before you. Heal the sick who are there and say to them, God's kingdom has come upon you. Whenever you enter a city and the people don't welcome you, go out into the street and say, as as a complaint against you, we brush off the dust of your city that has collected on our feet, but know this, God's kingdom has come to you. I assure you that Sodom will be better off on Judgment Day than that city. How terrible it will be for you, Chorazin. How terrible it will be for you, Bethsaida. If the miracles done among you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have changed their hearts and lives long ago. They would have sat around in funeral clothes and ashes. But Tyre and Sidon will be better off at the judgment than you. And you, Capernaum, will you be honored by being raised up to heaven? No, you will be cast down to the place of the dead. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. Now, the 72 returned joyously, saying, Lord, even the demons submit themselves to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority to crush snakes and scorpions underfoot. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing can harm you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice because the spirits submit to you. Rejoice instead that your names are written in heaven. At that very moment, Jesus overflowed with joy from the Holy Spirit. And he said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent. And you've shown them to babies. Indeed, Father, this brings you happiness. My Father has handed all things over to me. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. Or who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son wants to reveal Him. Turning to the disciples, He said, Happy, happy are the eyes that see what you see. I assure you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see and hear what you hear, but they didn't. Jesus is going to give us His red-letter guide to the mission. As we've been saying in the Sunday morning teaching on prayer, there's these these uncommon examples of Jesus giving sets of instructions to people. And when He gives those sets of instructions, we pay attention. When we're talking about the mission, when we're talking about not just missions, the big-scale stuff, but the everyday commission to make disciples, I want you to take a look. At first of all, how this does not have to be a burden, and this actually makes the Father happy 
and it can be our joy as well. But to do that, we need to unpack Jesus' red-letter guide to the mission. Number one, he says it's a big job, so ask for God's help. How many times do we burden ourselves with the, the struggle of, oh, we've got to save souls, we've got to do this, we've got to recruit people, we've got to get people in here, we've got to make disciples, we've got to teach. When really, the, only, the first thing Jesus says is, hey, you better ask the Lord of Harvest for some help. Just ask the Lord of Harvest for some help. It will come. He'll provide. He'll get you prepared as well. It's a big job. So we need to ask for God's help. That's the first simple instruction from the Lord as he sends out his 72. And so they were there to announce the first coming of Jesus. We need to know this as we announce his return. Second thing he says is, it's a rough job. And you can, it's a rough job because you can expect risk, rejection, and retaliation. <laughs> one of the most interesting things about the call, and I'm the first one to point this out, but the call that Jesus gives to disciples is, he says, um, come follow me. It's dangerous. People won't like you. They're going to be coming for you. And you're going to be incredibly happy. It doesn't fit. If, if, but I, I think Jesus is making it clear. If you think that following me is a life of leisure and safety and security, think again. He said, we're, we're in dangerous waters in this world. Uh, there's going to be risk. You're going to be turned away. People, you're, it's going to be disappointing. They might even be threatened by you, but you'll be happy. How do we do that? He goes on to explain. First of all, the uh, third point that he makes is he says, I want you to rely on the hospitality of others. Whether we like it or not, this is a group project. Sometimes we have this idea of the lone evangelist, the lone circuit rider, you know, the, the preacher with the Bible who's out there just dunking souls and, you know, he's, he's out there with the Bible preaching in the wilderness. There's one John the Baptist. After that, Jesus sends them two by two. Jesus sends them out as a group. And the twos, the pairs that he sends out, the two by two of the 72, those that he sends out, he says, now when you get somewhere, you're going to need to find people who will help you. When we're out meeting people, when we're out reaching out to people, when we go to another country or right here in our own neighborhood, let's look for people who will help us. Not just people that we help, but people who will help us. Sometimes being in need of help is the best way to reach out. And in fact, when he says, now, don't take a bag with you, don't take, a, you know, don't take money, don't take a staff or sandals or whatever it is, he's saying, I don't want you relying on, on your stuff. It is too easy for us to just depend on wealth. Ah, we need to send somebody to evangelize such and such place. Here, give them money. Even when we raise money for missions in this congregation, we don't see that as the end of our obligation and our responsibility. We see that simply as the beginning. We see that simply as part of a process, of a relationship. 
But we certainly have to avoid the temptation to think that we can solve all of our problems by wealth and connections. I know people. We've got means. We can do this. We can do that. What we have is the mandate from our Lord. What we have is His commission. We have the resources of heaven. Why would we want to replace that with Visa, MasterCard, and somebody that we know in the sheriff's office? I mean, why would we want to, to switch that up? I'm not picking on sheriffs. It's just what I came up with. So anyway, we rely on hospitality wherever it is. We make friends of all these people. And we trust that through them, God can use them to provide. Fourth red-letter guide to the missions is announce the arrival of the kingdom. That's our message. You know, one of the songs that we could have sung this morning was the song, We Declare That the Kingdom of God is Here. This is what we're saying. We're saying, you know, you, you, you look out there and you see the problems, all the things that get people worried, that get people distressed. Think about it. What is it right now? Oh, it's, it's the situation going on in our nation right now. It's, uh, it's the presidency and the, and the Congress and the Supreme Court and the, the, the state legislatures and all that. And I don't know, Benjamin, this, this, this whole idea of mission and following Jesus is fine, but we've got to get all that political stuff to settle down. Listen to the Word of Jesus. He says, you see all that out there? That's not kingdom. No, there's another authority that's over all that. There's another rule. There's another kingdom that's greater and more eternal than all that. you got to open up your eyes and see it. Now, we as those who've seen it, we need to see what is out there. We need to see that as the kingdom and then say it and say, hey, kingdom, the kingdom is here. And when we see evidence of it, we need to point that out. That these good things have happened. Because the kingdom of God is operating in this world. That, that there's things that need to change. Why? Because the kingdom of God is operating in this world. When we act a certain way, whether it fits with whatever local powers and there may be, we're actually doing things in service of the king. And what we're announcing with our words and our deeds is the kingdom of God. It's just truth. It's a truth that we proclaim. And in proclaiming that truth, we are neither trying to terrorize people. The message of the disciples is not turn or burn. It's, hey, the kingdom of God is here. If people receive it, they meet them in hospitality. Peace breaks out. If people don't receive it, then they very politely back out. I know the text said there's a complaint there. We'll get to that in a second. But we neither have to do it with terror, nor do we have to do it with tricks. We're not baiting and switching and pulling people in and saying, hey, we're going to invite all of y'all to a, a special event, and here's what we're giving away. By the way, can I tell you about the kingdom? That's not our approach. We're very open and transparent about this because... The kingdom that we proclaim is an emerging reality in this world. And we probably don't see as much of it as is actually there. Governments and rulers will come and go. 
all over the world. But the kingdom of God is eternal. The rule of God is eternal. So we can declare. Jesus says, when you're out there, just announce the arrival. Okay, but what about the ones who reject that? Here's Jesus' red-letter guide to rejection. That's right. He tells us. He prepares us for those times when people say, I'm not interested. First of all, walk away. Just walk away. How many of the conflicts and the worries and the concerns would be settled in our world if we would just learn to walk away? I'm not saying give up. But if someone is not interested in what we have to say, don't take it personally. Just walk away. He says literally, okay, don't spend your time there. Move on. Because all the time you're trying to persuade Chorazin or Bethsaida or Capernaum or whoever it is, somebody else needs to hear the message. First, walk away. Second, be honest and be civil. I thought about saying be honest and be open, but I'm afraid that we take honest and open as keeping it real, and this gives us the license to say whatever we want. So that sometimes when we're talking to our friends and say, well, you know, I'm a believer, and they say, I'm not convinced that I'm a believer. Well, you're going to hell. I get it. Maybe there's some truth to all that. But that's not licensed to be crude and rude. Being civil means that we can speak a truth, and we can do it in a way that we don't destroy relationships. Yes can be yes, and no can be no. But we don't have to be arrogant about it. Now, there's a lot of concern about that. I don't think that being civil means backing off of certain truths. Being civil means that we are able to share what we believe is truth greater than us. This truth of the kingdom. And yet maintain a connection with people so that the conversation just might continue. We do this in the smallest ways. We do. I mean, when the fall gets here and the temperatures cool down, all of you are going to make all of your bold statements on social media. You know the ones I'm talking about. Oh, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about sports. You know, I'm talking about you're going to be out there saying stuff. This team's the best. That team's the best. These are the champions. These are not the champions. And, you know, one of the things I've found in that is everybody who says stuff ends up being wrong. At some point, they end up being wrong. But that doesn't cause us to back. In fact, we kind of like that. We like a little bit of that passion. Now, if that's true in something that ultimately won't change the course of the universe, then how much more can that be true in things that ultimately matter? And what we're really talking about are relationships. God's desire to bring people into His kingdom and to love people. And again, we don't do it through terror, nor do we do it through trickery and try to get people to come in because we say, but I want you to be our friend. We want you to, we want you to, we just tell the truth. And there's a way to do that. So be honest, be civil. Even when people reject us, be honest and be civil and announce the kingdom anyway. I love that statement. He says, but as you're going, let them know, oh, by the way, the kingdom is still here. I mean, it's not that because you rejected things that the kingdom backs off. You don't get to veto the kingdom. The kingdom is still here. God's kingdom is breaking out and emerging into this world 
everywhere. We're just letting you know that the king has arrived, that the king has a plan. This is the good news. Always tell the good news, the proclamation of the kingdom. Anyway, in some way. And if you can't use words, then show it. And leave the judgment to God. Just leave the judgment to God. Now, there's a lot of judgment talk in there, right? Yes. And that's Jesus saying things about these towns. I think he's emphasizing for his 72, and he's emphasizing for them. He's saying, you know, he's saying, if Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum could know the proclamation about the kingdom that you're sharing, or, or really, he says, if Tyre and Sidon, if, uh, you know, if Sodom and Gomorrah, if they had known what Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum had known, they would have repented. Now, those, those towns may not register for, for us. I admit, they don't really register for me. One is a group of, of outsiders, and one is a group of insiders. If, if I could make it close to what we find, I think Jesus would be saying something like this. He'd be saying, if Nashville, Tennessee, if Lynchburg, Virginia, or, or rather, if, if Moscow, if Beijing, if North Korea, these places where we see all sorts of problems threatening the world, if those towns knew what Nashville, Tennessee, Lynchburg, Virginia, and all of the Bible Belt takes for granted, then those places would repent. And that comes back on us to realize, hmm, we need to pay attention to what we might take for granted. We think we know what Moscow needs to hear. We think we know what Beijing needs to hear. We think we know what all of the foreign atheist cities in the world need to hear. But do we understand that we also need to repent? That we also need to be obedient to that same kingdom truth? Not only to avoid a terrible fate, but also so that we can enter into the joy and the happiness of the kingdom. We're coming to that. So, we're here to proclaim God God will do the judging. Finally, when you are rejected, just understand it's not about you. We often want to make it about you. We sometimes want to make it about us. We worry so much that our reputation or the reputation of the church is going to be damaged. Real quickly, the difference between character and reputation is this. Character is something that you can do something about. Because it's who you are. And as you draw closer to Jesus, as you draw closer to God, and you find that it is your desire to please Him, to bring Him joy, to follow His will, your character will grow. Reputation is something that you might want to influence, but at the end of the day, you have no control over it. Jesus even says to His people, you're a fickle generation. He said, I show up and I'm, you know, I'm fairly decently dressed and I'm going to some social events and you say I'm a glutton and a drunkard. Here comes John the Baptist. He's dressed like a caveman. He's got crickets hanging out and honey stuck in his beard. And you say he's filled with a demon. 
you're never going to be satisfied. You can't control what they say. But we can control what we do, and if we please God, then those who can see the kingdom, those who can receive the peace of the kingdom, will accept it. Jesus puts it like this. When you're following me, when you're preaching the kingdom truth, those who listen to you are really listening to me. Those who reject you are really rejecting me. And if they reject me, then they reject the one who sent me, which is the Father. That's what we need to keep in mind, lest we get anxious. So anyway, right in the middle of this, there's an after-action report. Jesus tells the 72 what to do. They go out and do it. There's a, a, a bit of a time gap there. They come back. In the after-action report, like any good after-action report, you analyze what happened. What did happen? Well, it's very clear to them. Demons submitted to us. Huh? You mean even the powers of evil? Yeah. I mean, not only did we get a good hearing, but even the demons paid attention. All right? So why did it happen? Well, Jesus says it happened because Satan has lost the high ground. He fell from heaven. 72 had safe passage. Jesus is not surprised by any of that. He knew that that would happen. He knew that they would, that they would be obedient to God's will and that God would, would, would do this through them. That's why he sent them. It happened because Satan is counterfeit and because God is real. Satan, when we, say, you know, we get hung up on this, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. When did that happen? Was that B.C. or A.D.? What exactly happened there? And you can look all through the Bible and you can come up with stuff and you can come up with all kinds of weird scenarios. Here's what it means. It means that Satan is a stumbling fool. It means that Satan is counterfeit. He's, he's a joke. He's a pretend. He does, I understand that Satan is an enemy and we need to not, you know, get silly and, and, and lose our, our, uh, our caution. You know, he's, a, he's a lion, but he has no power like God's power. He is not the equal to God. And so the, save, the 72 are given safe passage by God's power. In every after-action report, you ask, how can we do better? Jesus' statement is this. He says, don't rejoice that the demons submitted to you. Instead, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Okay, I love the way that the message interprets that. Jesus is saying, how can we do better? Keep this in mind and we'll continue to do better. The great triumph is not in your authority over evil, but in God's authority over you and presence with you. Not what you do for God, but what God does for you. That's the agenda for rejoicing. We can get so caught up on the snakes and scorpions that we think, you know, I don't know, maybe we should start snake handling. Do you think? Uh, I mean, after all, Jesus said it. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm in no hurry to bring a box of snakes up here. Yeah. You can try if you want. I don't recommend it. I won't be doing it. Because it's not about what I can do. It's about what God can do in me. It's not about what you can do. It's about what God can do in you. Why do you think Jesus told them, don't take money, don't take a bag, don't take an extra pair of sandals? 
Trust in God who will provide for you. Don't get worried and nervous about all the stuff, even the church stuff. God will provide. He'll give you safe passage. He'll give you this. But don't celebrate that. Celebrate, or don't celebrate what you can do. Celebrate what God is doing in you. That's the agenda for rejoicing. And that's what brings the Lord joy because He sees God's style. He's overjoyed at how God gets the glory through those who trust Him. And here comes this, this, this band of, of folks. I mean, if you can imagine that within the, the 12, just within the 12 apostles of Jesus, you've got people that like Simon the Zealot, and Matthew the tax collector. And if they met one another anywhere else, Simon the zealot probably would have knifed Matthew the tax collector. We're already thinking, this is not a good team. you got some fishermen. They're from up north. Nobody respects folks from up north. You know, we got some real problems here in this group of 12. The only one that looks like he's got his stuff together and really knows anything is this Iscariot fella, you know, we'll let him trust, we'll trust him with the money, okay? He's, he's, he might be all right. Shows what we know. But we've got some problems. Now, if that's true within the 12, can you imagine, I mean, the 72 then, if the 12 are the best, then the 72 cannot be the most stellar outfit you could imagine, okay? There, there's there's going to be some folks who are just barely cutting the mustard in that group Jesus calls them infants meaning that compared to the standards of their day and age they don't look like the cream of the crop they're not the top talent but God brings his power and glory out of them and Jesus says that's exactly how you work isn't it father showing the world that this is from you God that's God's track record all along from the beginning, Genesis 12, he says, I, I, need to, I need to create a nation. And I need that nation to show the rest of the world what it's like to live out true human life my way. God's got his advisory council in heaven, and he says, let's, let's get started with that. We need to start with someone who really trusts me. you got to build a nation, right, God? Yeah. I recommend you get a 19-year-old kid and give him about 10 wives and you know, that's, that's how we grow a, a nation, you know. I know that marriage thing's a little dicey there. God says, no, I like this old couple over here. And she has difficulty bearing children. Let's go with that. God, we've got to have somebody to face the giant, the, the Philistine warrior. He's, he's outrageously large. His weapons weigh more than some of our soldiers. Think maybe uh, you can conjure up some sort of incredible hulk for them to use? No, I like this kid over here who's got a pea shooter. Let's use him. See, God's always working in that way, and Jesus sees that track record, and it, it just fills him with joy. So when we disqualify ourselves or others, just remember, when they say, you and what army? God. That's the army. Jesus is overjoyed when the Father is happy and pleased. Jesus recognizes, he says, this is what makes you happy, isn't it, Father? Is using the people that the world rejects, using the people that the world has no faith in, but then you 
in your so-called foolishness, shame the wise of the world. Paul talked about this in Corinthians. Jesus is full of joy. He's smiling. He's laughing. What made him do that? He is overjoyed when he introduces you to his Father. When Jesus looks at you and you've disqualified yourself and you think, I'm not smart enough, I can't speak very well, I'm not sure that I can do what's required of me, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too poor, I'm too busy, whatever it is, and Jesus is smiling because he says, I can't wait to see what God will do in you when you Open yourself up to Him. When you surrender to Him, I can't wait to see what you do. I asked you to think about who it is that you love making smile or laugh. What it is that you do to make them do that and, and what you are willing to do. What are you willing to do to see the joy of Jesus? What are you willing to do to hear the joy and the laughter of your Savior? Are you willing to surrender yourself to Him? Everybody talks about surrender and submission as if it's a bad thing. I would gladly surrender knowing the joy that it brings Him. Knowing that when I trust in Him, He is happy because more is going to be done through me than I could ever do on my own with my own provisions with my own ideas and if that's true of me it's true of you he's inviting us to his table he's inviting us to his life through the submission of baptism what are you willing to do to experience that joy it just might be worth it let's sing this song and then uh, Darren and Brosnan Chilton will lead us around the Lord's Supper table.